Good morning. It's great to be with everybody, all the saints at Living Word Community Church, glorifying God. Um, you know, as we sing these worship songs, right? We're singing all about the glory of God. If you look at it, it's all about who He is and how He's and what He's done in our lives and how He's changed our lives. Um, the greatness of God. And our, our, we pray that this ministry would always focus on that, on who God is. Because if you know who God is, <coughs> then you can have that right there, right? Uh, this is a topical message this morning. It's worry-free living. Amen? Amen. And if you can turn to your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to chapter 12 in the Gospel of Luke. 12. In the Gospel of Luke. Starting in verse 22, if you want to stand for the reading of his word, if you're able, please stand in honor of our Lord. And let's begin. Then he said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body which you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. And I pray today, Lord God, that people would get free of worry, anxiety, and stress. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, what we're looking at here is this topic that Jesus brought up in Luke 12. This portion of Scripture contains some things that you're going to find familiar to you. And that's because much of it, what Jesus says... Here in Judea, this, this actually happened in Judea approximately about nine months before Jesus was crucified. Now, we have the comparative passage in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, verses 19 to 34. And this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, 
Jesus gives the same exact message. So it's very interesting that the Lord is speaking at the beginning of his ministry. He gives this word about worry, about fear, about stress, about all these things that we have to deal with. Right. He deals with it at the beginning of his ministry and nine months before his crucifixion, he gives the message again. And I'm sure that Jesus gave the same message countless of times. Because why? Why? Because people are stressed out. People during Jesus' day were stressed out. And today, are people stressed out? Huh? Little people are tight out there, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you drive around for a few minutes and you'll find how tight people are, huh? <laughs> people are tight, man. <laughs> you know, you're, like, you're sitting at a light, right? Light turns green. It's like within a nanosecond. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me, right? The light just changed. <laughs> people are stressed out there. And I'll tell you what. The key to understanding the passage before us, what we're going to be working through today, the key to it is all right there in front of us. It says uh, in verse 22, do not be anxious. Then in verse 29, do not keep worrying. Then in verse 32, do not be afraid. So, the title of this message is Worry-Free Living. So we can see that the Lord has a word for us regarding this monolith <laughs> that, that it, it can become, right? Worry, the Lord really cares about the things that we care about. But also, he wants to relieve you. Can I get everybody say relieve? Relie- relieve. He wants to lift it up off of you. Amen. Well, let's get into some, some facts. More than 8 in 10 Americans report feeling emotions associated with stress in the last two weeks. Anxiety, 47%. Sadness, 44%. Anger, 39%. I put fear at 50% there. That's just my own, that's my own qualifier right there. This is a, from the American Psychological Association. I understand why the world is stressed out. I understand why we can get stressed out. I understand why people are anxious. I understand why worry. I understand why they have panic attacks. I understand why people take drugs. Hey, me, right here. I was addicted to drugs from the age of, I started using at about 14 years old till about 32 years old. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. That's how I dealt with my worry. (laughs) That's how I dealt with my fears. That's how I dealt with my stress. I used drugs and alcohol to numb myself out, right? I didn't want to feel. I didn't want to deal. I didn't want any responsibility for my life. That's what I used. This is is the verse 
of, of our society today. It says in Isaiah 22, 12, 13, and in that day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and for, and for mourning, for boldness and for girding with sackcloth. But instead, see, God is calling what? He's calling you to repentance, right? He's calling us to repentance. But instead, joy and gladness, slaying the oxen, killing sheep, eating meat, Drinking wide. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That was my call. I'm sure that was Tony's call too. You remember Tony? (laughs) Eat, drink, tomorrow we die. That is the world's philosophy, guys. That's the world system. Isaiah is expounding, showing us. This was during uh, the time when Israel, he's calling, Isaiah's calling Israel to repentance. But look, what were they doing? Instead, joy and gladness. They're having parties. They don't understand that judgment is just about to fall on them. <laughs> They're going out, running around in gladness. Do-do-do-do. Not a care in the world. Slaying oxen, having huge parties, eating. Eating, killing, drinking the wine. That's the world's philosophy. That is what we need to say. Hey, I don't want anything to do with that. Amen? Amen? You know, there's all kinds of things that fill our minds and our thoughts. We're living in an anxiety-ridden culture. And the amazing thing about it is that it's the most indulged, the most lavish society ever. Amen? Is this most comfortable society ever or what? The most angst-ridden, anxious, stressed out, panicked culture ever. We have a massive medical world that exists to do nothing but help with stress. No worry goes unnamed. No worry goes undiagnosed. And no worry goes unmedicated. They just go unrelieved. People live with anxiety. They live with worry. They live with stress. But it's so common that we don't even talk about eliminating it. You know how the world deals with it? Manage it. That's how the world deals with it. Let's manage your stress. Manage your worry. I found this great book, the Anxiety and Phobia book. Look at this. A practical, step-by-step guide to relaxation. Coping with panic. Let's cope with it. Let's manage it. You can take a course, go to a seminar, listen to a lecture, buy a tape. All on how to deal with worry. But you know what the Lord Jesus wants for you this morning? He wants to eliminate it. That's what he wants to do in your heart and in your life. He wants to eradicate worry. He doesn't want us to be worried because he knows what it does to us, right? He knows the destructiveness of worry. Let's, let's just take some... some uh, 
some knowledge about this type of worry. There's six types of anxiety disorders. Six types. There are several categories. We're going to go through them one by one. First, there's general anxiety disorder. There's one area. There's several categories here, and I suppose you can throw it all, almost everything in there, all right? General anxiety is like everything put together in there. Number two, oops, excuse me. Number two, uh, then there's panic disorder in which you go into a high level of panic, rapid heartbeat, palpitation, extreme fear, and there's no real circumstantial reason for it, okay? Now, a friend of uh, my boss used to have that. He used to take the Long Island Expressway, and he'd come to work, and he, he, he used to take that, that expressway, and he'd get to work, and he said, Sam, I had a panic attack. I had a panic attack inside the train, right? He, he was on the train, not, not the highway, but he was on the train, and he would have these, these panic attacks with his heart beating, and he'd come in sweating profusely, and he'd just be, oh, man, he'd be a mess. Number two, there'd be a panic disorder in which we go to a, um, a, wait, number three, there's called a social anxiety disorder. This is an interesting one, which I guess means you wouldn't have it if you don't hang around people, (laughs) which is pretty good. You know, I got social anxiety, man. I need to be like just away from everybody, you know. It's like people freak me out, you know. (laughs) Um, then there's post-traumatic stress disorder which there's some some level of panic which you feel after something you just went through I I went through that too as well Um, PTSD you know at at the age of 15 uh, I was tied up silences to the back of my head my father uh, was murdered soon after two weeks after uh, they had me tied up and I, I went through that. Like I was, like every noise you heard, you'd, like your heart would start to beat. And you're like, you start to, uh, because that's something, a trauma that happened to me. I was, you know, traumatized at that point. I didn't know it because I used drugs and alcohol to kind of deal with it. But that's the truth of it. I, I had that. I remember going through that. And then there's... Uh, Obsessive-compulsive disorder, right? Those uh, people struggle, right? They have to wash their hands a hundred times a day, right? You know people like that, that their hands, that they wash their hands so much that it becomes almost bleeding raw that they wash their hands so much because they think that there's germs on them. Yeah, obsessive. Or they go into a room and they have to turn on and off the light like 20 times. That's obsessive-compulsive disorder. You have this, and then there's separation anxiety, right? Separation anxiety. Maybe you had a loved one who go home to be with the Lord, right? And you miss them. And then you start to experience that, that anxiety, those feelings of, of worry and fear and, and, and separation. This is Arthur Summers Roach. He he was an author. Listen to this quote. Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, 
It cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Wow. That kind of hits it like you just get sucked into it, right? You begin to worry. You begin to think of these things that are not even true or anywhere near true. And then you develop this whole scenario of, right, the sky is falling, right? Everything is going to be bad. Like, everything is going to go south on me, right? It tells us in the word of God, worry kills. I mean, um, there's a quote from Spurgeon. He says, worry kills, but confidence in God is like healing medicine. Amen? Amen? See, confidence in God and who he is is like a, a healing bomb of knowing who God is. Is that sometimes in the church, we get so caught up that we can get sucked back into the world, right? There's this, there's this fight that's going on. Now, there are only two realms in which you can worry. There's two aspects of reality. You can worry about the physical world or you can worry about the spiritual world. You can worry about what is immaterial or what is material. You can worry about what is earthly or what is heavenly. So that is precisely what Jesus says you don't need to worry about. Look in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body or what you will wear. And then he says to deal with the the spiritual life in verse 32, don't be afraid on the spiritual level for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So you're left with nothing to worry about, nothing to be anxious about, nothing to be stressed out about, nothing to panic over. So I conclude here that if we do worry as a Christian, what is it? Can I... What is it? Do you agree with that? Everybody agree with that? Or people have? It's a sin. It's a sin to worry. It's a sin. Now we're going to take a look at our failure to understand his sovereign love, our failure to understand his sovereign care, our failure to not understand his sovereign resources. So that's what Jesus unfolds here. Jesus does offer anxiety-free living. When we come into the kingdom of God, we receive him as our Lord and Savior. He takes care of us. And your worries really are ended. So that what, de- what defined your life before, worrying about everything is what? Eliminated. Eliminated. Now, it's critical that we understand of who our God really is, and so is it possible to worry through your, through your, through your life as, you, as a Christian simply because you're ignorant? The ignorance of God. And that, unfortunately, is the legacy of many. Many people, weigh, if, if you weigh heavily on the nature of God like this ministry does, the character of God, the promises of God, and the purposes of God, 
you will be able to help with that eliminating of that stress. Amen? So you need to know who God is. You need to understand who he is. That's where it all starts. And you go through the attributes of God, right? You look at God, who he is. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything. From the beginning of the start of your day, he knows exactly what's in your heart and what's in your mind. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He's righteous. He's omnipotent. He's self-existent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's right here, right now with us. He's trustworthy. He's gracious. He's our creator. He's compassionate. If you start to look at the nature of God, if you start to begin to understand his nature, it won't, once we begin to understand the greatness of God, the glory of God, the commitment of God, the compassion of God, the power of God, the rest in which we rest in, we rest in the promises of God. There are many people, many Christian people, who have no idea what their God is really like and the level of commitment he's made to them. So they live in fear, fear of circumstances, fear of Satan, fear of failure, you name it. So it's possible that your life is full of fear and anxiety and worry because of what? Ignorance. Ignorance of who God is. Let's take now this verse right here. Our sister Diane, our church administrator, she puts this at the bottom of every prayer request. And this verse is pregnant pregnant with God's nature. It says in Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So that verse right there is telling you that God is merciful let me tell you something. Do you know how merciful he is? It says here, the, through the Lord's mercy, we're not consumed. Do you, understand? Do, do you understand what this verse is saying? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. It's only by grace that I fell asleep last night. And it's only by his mercy that he didn't kill me in my sleep. Do you understand that we're not but consumed? It's only by his grace, his unmerited favor towards me and you. We don't deserve it, but he loves you. And he showers you with that love. He shows you that grace. That we're not consumed. But they are new every morning. Great is whose faithfulness? He is faithfulness. He is faithful because he's a merciful God. And he doesn't treat me as I should be treated. I deserve hell. I deserve condemnation. I deserve death. But it's only by his grace that I am saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Spurgeon writes, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water than diminish the great mercy of God. So when you're standing at the seashore, we just recently went to Bridge Fest to celebrate the Lord with a whole bunch of believers there recently. And I'm just looking like from, the, from, from Ocean Avenue and looking at the ocean and just looking at, and I'm just like, wow, look at the mercies of God. It's so big that even the waters that are drained, you can't even drain out all the waters in, in, in the ocean. His mercies never end. They never stop. Mercy is you being treated not as you should be treated. Hallelujah. Look what our God says in Psalm 40, uh, 40 verse 2. God lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Right now, the Lord is saying, you don't have to worry. Take my hand and I'm going to pull you out of that worry. I'm going to pull you out of that stress. I'm going to pull you out of that anxiety. The Lord is saying, this is the word of God speaking to our hearts. He wants to lift you up and out of it. And he wants to set you on a rock, man. And who is that rock? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our rock. He is our salvation. He is our life. He's our everything. So he wants to pull you up and out of it and set you on that rock. And also, he gave you what? A firm place to stand. A firm place. Not quicksand, right? That you're sinking down and down and down and down. I remember those Tarzan movies. There was always a quicksand moment, right? <laughs> remember that, Diane? Diane left. She remembers. She got it. <laughs> funny. He has granted us his precious and exceedingly great promises. It says in 2 Peter 1.4 that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature. I'm just serving up the word of God. I'm just a, hey, I'm just a waiter. I'm just a waiter today. I'm just serving up the word. Look what the Lord is telling us. He has granted to us his precious and exceedingly great promises that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature. He's saying that you can be a partaker of him. So why do we worry? Why do we get so stressed out about all these things that happen in our lives? All the adversity, all the challenges. Is there room for concern? Yes, of course, but worry and fret and Getting those feelings, those panic attacks and all? No. When I first got saved, I got this bookmark. I had to take a picture of it and share it with everybody. I use this bookmark every day. Every day I'm in the Word of God. Every day I'm reading the, the Scriptures, and, and God is speaking to my heart of, of who I am. 
And it reminds me this book, Mark. In Christ, I am loved. Hallelujah. In Christ, you are loved in spite of your performance or how things are going today. You could have blown it a hundred thousand times that day. It doesn't stop. If you are in Christ, he still loves you. You are redeemed. I am redeemed in Christ. Do you understand that you were enslaved, that you were a hostage to sin? We were all hostages before we came to Christ. And Jesus says, I'm going to pay the ransom. He goes to the cross, gets nailed to that cross so he could redeem you and me and set us free from the penalty of sin. Wow. Do you know who you are in Christ today? I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And I've sinned much. And he has forgiven me of much. I have been chosen in Christ. I have been chosen by almighty God that he set his hand upon me before the world was ever created, that the world would ever formed. He said, I'm choosing you. He says, I'm choosing you. Wow. I am new. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm a new person. I have a new nature. I don't have that old nature that I have to worry, get stressed out, and have anxiety. I have a new nature today. I am complete. That means he's made you whole in him. And you are more than a conqueror. It, it's the actual word in the Greek is like, it's, it's like a super duper giant conqueror. Like, man, he's made you more than a conqueror. It's a super duper giant, massive conqueror. That's who I am in Christ. And I'm a citizen of heaven. Do you know positionally, right now, through faith, positionally, you are a citizen of heaven? Where you sit, we're not there yet. He gives us a taste through the Holy Spirit. But we are citizens of heaven. What does that kingdom look like? Oh, man. Oh, jeez. What, what, the, 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 main, the main thing is going to be the throne. And Jesus is going to be on that throne. And he has brilliant white hair and blazing eyes. And his countenance is so white, so glorious. His feet are like bronze. And all the focus is going to be on him. There's not going to be any more sin. No more sorrow. No more shame. No more guilt. No more anxiety. No more stress. No more fears. No more hospitals. No more doctors. No more prisons. No more homeless shelters. 
we're going to be all citizens of the kingdom in his presence. Hallelujah. What a place that is. What a place to look forward to going and being a part of. He gives you a taste right now. Right now, you are a citizen of heaven. Do you know what that looks like? I just described just a a little bit to you. Wow. You know what? When we start to understand who our God is, it says life is peaceful when you rest on the promises of God's word. Hallelujah. Amen. When we rest in his promises, that's where the peace comes in. So number one, ignorance of God and his attributes and who he is, right? That's going to be the issue regarding number one. That's going to be an issue. If you're walking with the Lord, you're experiencing that fear. So I'd encourage you, start in Psalm 1. And go to Psalm 150. Start to read. And you'll know who God is at the end of it. I'm telling you now. Because it describes the attributes of God throughout those Psalms. It tells you who God is. Now, let's get to the next point. Now, if you do know your God and you worry anyway... This is not about ignorance. This is about distrust. This is a sin. To be needlessly ignorant is sinful. To be willfully distrusting of the God who has revealed himself is a serious sin. So when you look at your life and you see anxieties and fears and worries, the question is, am I ignorant of God or do I not trust him? That's the key. Am I ignorant of God, or do I not trust him? Now, could you, almighty God, all-powerful God, right? Can you tie his hands in your life? Can you stop his will in, in your life? What ties God's hands is your unbelief. Your unbelief. You don't believe. In, the, in Matthew thirteen fifty eight, Jesus was ministering in his area, right? In, in, in Nazareth. It says here in the word, and he did, he, did, he did not do many miracles there because of their... Hello. Hello. So can your unbelief tie God's hands? Yes, absolutely. Your unbelief. But the Lord has another word for us in Mark 9, verse 24. There was a man whose uh, son was in desperate need of healing. And he cried out to Jesus. And the father says, Immediately, the father of the child child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know how many times I've cried out that to God? (laughs) That I've been on my knees. Lord, forgive me. 
Have mercy on me for my unbelief. Have mercy on me, Lord, and, and forgive me for getting worried. Forgive me, Lord, for fretting. Forgive me, Lord, for not trusting in you and who you are. I know I've failed. But I say, Lord, help my unbelief. Give me the faith to believe, Lord, of who you are and what you've done for me. And then I'm new. I'm not the old. There's a constant battle in the believer's life. You're constantly fighting that, that fleshly nature, that sinful nature, that lustful nature, that nature that wants, wants. It's all about me, me, me. And God wants it to be all about him, him, him. And about others, others, others. That's what it's all about for, with God. Because guess what? He says in his word that he's going to take care of everything. He's going to make a way for you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of your physical needs and he's going to take care of your spiritual needs. Amen? So let's go quickly. Number one. These are four points. Failure to understand God's priority. Failure to understand God's provision. Failure to understand God's sovereignty and failure to understand God's preference. Let's see if we can bulldoze through these, uh, <laughs> through these points. Um, and, and God will, will speak to all of our hearts. And I pray that God would use it in your life to relieve you of any worry, anxiety, or stress in your life. Amen? So... Let's go to the text. In Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 23, he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, I tell you, you do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, and what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Jesus' words for us today. For this reason, I say to you, don't be anxious, he's telling us. Don't be fearful of those things. Now, here's the point. God didn't create you just to survive. God didn't create you just to have to eat and wear clothes so that you can make it. God did not create you to fill some sort of physical goal or objective or purpose or design. Your life is far more than eating. Your life is far more than clothing. You must understand God's divine priority in your life. Amen? If you belong to God and you are in his kingdom, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. That's the reason you live. As long as God has a plan for your life, he's going to feed you and he's going to clothe you until the plan is what? Complete. So what is there to worry about, amen? <laughs> You're not accidental. Nobody here is accidental. Nobody here is incidental. Nobody here is random. God created you in his image and in your likeness for a specific time and place for you to live your life here. Why are we worrying about these things, amen? The Lord said he's going he's gonna to take care of these things. There is no place for worry, no place for fear, no place for anxiety. If you understand that the priority with God is far more 
than just surviving. It's far more than making it through the winter. It's far more than getting at least one or two meals a day. Far more than that. God's purpose in giving you life. God's purpose in giving you a body is not material. Get the, it's not material. It's spiritual. He will sustain us to the end of his hope. In fact, you can work hard, you can save, and the Bible says what? That we should, right? Do everything to the glory of who? Amen. You do your job, God has opened up a door for you to work, and we do the best we can, amen? Our bosses should say, hey, that, that Tony, he's the best. Let me tell you, there's no better than him working at our place. He shines for the Lord. And you don't even have to say nothing. Like to get, People should be saying that about you at, at your jobs. Because we shine for, we're going to do our best. We're going to give our best. That's what it's all about. We've got to give glory to God in everything that we do. Now, there's a completely different reason here, and it's a spiritual one for our lives. So you can give it all up, and you're not going to heaven until God wants you to. He's going to provide whatever it is that you need to get you to the place when it's your time. So worry, anxiety, and fear fails to understand the divine priority. That God has a purpose for your life. He's going to make sure you live to fulfill that purpose. So second... So we said worry is a failure to understand God's provision. We're going to go to this. Uh, oh, let, let's, uh, let's take a look at Psalm 139, 13, and 14. For you formed my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. My soul knows that very well. Look at that. That's God just... Lord, just be so involved in your life from the time that you were in your mother's womb. You don't think he's going to take care of you? You don't think he's going to provide for you everything that you need physically? Of course he is. Look at Psalm 139, 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me. This is David speaking of his relationship with his father. Look at this. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What a wonderful word to all of us, right? That the Lord is thinking about you and you're precious. Your thoughts are precious to him. And what does David say? Like right when he gets up, when I awake, I am still with you. That when I awake, my first thought is getting before the Lord. Amen? Amen? Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than the sparrows. Matthew 10, 29, 31. Do you see your value to the Lord? 
that you are prioritized before all the created beings, each and every single one of us here? He loves you so very much and wants you to know that. Let's go to the next point. Failure to understand God's provision. Let's go to verse Luke 12, 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are the birds. They neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom, no barn, but yet God feeds them. Here's the point. How much more valuable you are than birds. He feeds the birds and birds have no spiritual value. Oh, they give God the glory, all right. Absolutely. They manifest his creative power, amen? And his immense love of beauty and design, but they have no spiritual value. They hatch, fly around, and then they die. You don't see them no more. Yet God feeds them. You ever see a bird, like, like you know, trying to set up a, a farm? They just, they just fly around and God provides the food, right? Amen? That's it. They can't reap. They can't store food. And think of it. You are so much more valuable than they are. And if God has a priority for your life then he's going to make the provision to make sure that the priority is met. He's going to sustain you to the point where you accomplish his purpose. So worrying about life's necessities is a failure to understand God's priority for you. Amen? David writes in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. If you are walking with the Lord and if you know the Lord, you will never, ever, ever be forsaken. You're never, ever going to be begging for bread. He's going to provide for you. He's going to make way for you to sustain you physically. So don't get all fretful or worried about all the things, including today, of what's happening in our economy. Hello? Right? Listen, I've been a union member in New York City for Hotel Motel Trades Union for 29 years, right? Uh, I was recently reported that all union um, pension funds, $2 trillion are gone. $2 trillion of union pension funds have disappeared, gone through this economy. So, what's that tell me? Don't get fearful. Settle down, Sam. (laughs) Don't get anxious, Sam. Don't get fearful of, you know, 10 years down the line. But what do you need to do? Lenny, what do I need to do? I need to prepare, right? I need to prepare. I got got to get a secondary plan, right? Got to get a new plan and implement it. 
But you know what? What? It's all in God's hands anyway. I ask God for wisdom. I ask God to uh, talk to certain people, people that I trust and know that they're walking with the Lord and they have great, uh, they got great knowledge of these things. I get counsel and then we put a plan together and off we go. And the Lord's going to provide, right? But there's other people out there that heard about this and where are they at right now? They're filled with worry, anxiety, and fear of their future. Of their future, um, you know, retirement plans, right? So where are you set right now with that? Do you know he's going to take care of you no matter what? You can mess up. I, like, I can mess up the whole plan and do everything like wrong. And guess what? At the end of the day, he's still going to take care of me. He's still going to take care of me. Hallelujah. That's a great, that's a great, great lesson to learn. Next is the failure to understand God's sovereignty. Leads to the third point. Failure is a failure to understand God's sovereignty. It says in the word of God in Luke 25, 12, 26. And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the, le- to, to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? This is about the idea that somehow you control the length of your life. It says here, which of you, by being anxious, is going to add a single cubit to his lifespan? You have to see the cubit. It's used here, and I think it's used here metaphorically. Okay, guys? I just want to share that with you. Other people think it's um, actually like, you know, you're going to gain uh, your 5 foot 11, and you're going to gain a foot and a half. And I used to pray for that when I was young because I played football. And I was 5'7", and I wanted to be 6'5". So, <laughs> but uh, um, that's just my mind right now. Thank you. It's, it's funny. But I'll tell you what. This is what this word is telling us, I believe. It's, it's metaphorically. He's, he's saying about, about adding a cubit to his stature. That's about here to here. What I believe he's speaking about is length of life. Length of life, okay? That's what I believe. You you can't add to the years of your life that God has determined for you. You just can't do it. So if you can't do it, if you can't add a single unit to your life, if you can't even do that very little thing by all your worry and fear, then what are you doing worrying about and being anxious about all these matters, like your body and your clothing and your food? Now, people in our day are consumed with what? Health, right? Health. They have all those graphs and all those things, right? All those numbers, you know? Banana split, 4,500 calories. You know, the stuff that you don't want to read when you go to Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) You know, in the back, you know, it has a million calories, the cheesecake you're about to have. Right? <laughs> it's funny, right? But we live in that society. You know, everything's about health. We're health, health, health. Everything's about that. I just want to give you a quick, uh, I mean, I just had to throw this in here. Um, anybody heard of Jim Fix? Anybody? Jim Fix? He wrote about seven books on running, 
and he preached the gospel of health. He preached the gospel of health. That if you eat right and do all these things right, and if you um, run, you know, 15 miles a day, that you're going to live a long life. Well, according to God and his plan, at the age of 52, they found him on the side of the road after a run. So I'm just, this is an illustration that, um, that, I, that I had to share with you guys. Because you can't add anything to your life. You can live the perfect, healthiest life in the world. And when the Lord calls you home, you're going home. That's it. Amen? Doesn't want to make you feel like having a, like a plate of disco fries right now. You know? Drenched in gravy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe a little, you know, a side of penning. For me, arrocongadule. Chicharrón on top of it. You Spanish people know what I'm talking about. You know? So, it says in Psalm 89, verse 48, it says, What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Oh, this is the word of God now. This is not just, Sam, this is the word. I'm serving it up. Shall he deliver his soul from the grave? Saying, can I deliver my soul from the grave? Can I have anything regarding that? No. It's in God's hands. <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, it is, appointed, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Death forever closes life's account and we cannot add to it. And which of you by worrying could add one cubit to a statue if you then you're not able to do the least? Why are you anxious for the rest? Go back to that same word. Hallelujah. Next is failure to understand God's preference. Failure to understand God's preference and um, we're going to be very quick with this. It says in the word of God, Luke 12, 27, 28, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Failure to understand God's divine provision. Hallelujah. It says in the word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flowers of the grass. The grass has withered and the flower has fallen off. Look at this. This is, this is in Israel, in Ashkelon. These are just wild flowers just growing is this, this, these wildflowers just growing and nobody's taking care of them. They're just growing. They're just, it's unbelievable, right? It shows us that if God is going to do that just naturally, though you see those flowers taking care of themselves? No. They're just growing. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you and all your needs. It tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse 28, 
And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he certainly cares for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? So what's the key? What's our application today? This is a great word. You know, to understand when at the end of a message, when Pastor Frank puts up applications, I want to share this with you. From Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, it says in the word of God, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So that's the whole point of application, everybody. Remember, it's so important that you receive the word in faith, but what do you need to do? You need to practice the word in faith. If you're walking with the Lord, you're going to be living a life of obedience. Amen? So what's our, illustra- what's our end game here in this application? Luke 12, verse 31. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. That's number one. Number one is seeking God and his kingdom above all else. That is the number one priority for each and every single one of us. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You need to seek the Lord, seek his face. Pastor Frank last week was sharing about his devotional life, right? Now, he poured that into my life when I first came to know the Lord. That that is the most important time of my day, of spending time one-to-one with the Lord. Now, he poured that into my life and what fruit came from it. I've been uh, serving the Lord here since 1995. Amen? So he poured that into me, and I'm still walking with the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm still still growing and hungering and thirsting for more and more of him. Seeking the Lord in your devotional sign. Seeking the Lord through his word. And what is his word? His voice. His voice. He wants to, you have to say, Lord, I want to speak to my heart today. Change me, Lord, today. Lord, take that angry heart and make it a heart of love. Lord, get that impatience out of me that I'd have a heart of patience. Amen? Number one, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Number two, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. (laughs) Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? So what do we need to do? Number one, seek the Lord. Number two, examine yourself each and every day. There's not a day I go by that I don't examine. The word is intense, intensely look into. You have to intensely look into yourself, into your life, and say, hey, am I truly seeking the Lord? Are you number one in my life, O God? Am I hungering and thirsting for you and your righteousness? Am I still mourning over sin, my sin? Am I still mourning and grieving over my sin? Am I poor in spirit, Lord? Am I still still poor in spirit? That means 
that, that you're spiritually bankrupt on your own. That you need more of his spirit in your life. So those are the two things that I want to leave you in your application. Now I want to tell you about five facts of life for everybody in here. Because I know that there's believers here, and I know there's people who think they're believers, but they're not. There's five facts of life that you need to come to grips with. You are a sinner. You, me, and everybody that's been ever born. Number two, you are going to die. One day, you are going to die. You can't stop it when and if and where that happens or how it will happen. But one day, you are going to die. Number three, you will be judged. Every single one of us are going to have a time of reckoning before the Lord. Number one, the Christian is going to be a rewards. It's going to be a judgment of rewards. For the unbeliever, it's going to be a, a judgment of wrath. You can't save yourself. Number four. You can't save yourself. Your only hope is in Jesus Christ. That is your only hope. Have you been born again? Have you been filled with the spirit of the living God? Have you been changed and transformed? Or are you playing religion this morning? Are you just sitting there today just, just for appearances sake? These are five facts of life. And Jesus Christ today stands before you. He's here in this place. The Holy Spirit is here. John 4.14 says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. Hallelujah. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsting for something more? Before I came to the Lord, I was sticking drugs, alcohol, relationships, all of the outside stuff. Man, nothing gave me peace. Nothing gave me true meaning and purpose. But when I said yes to Jesus, and I said, Jesus, come into my heart today. I am repenting of my sins. I'm turning away in faith and trusting in you. And I ask you to fill me with that living water. The water that only, man, those mercies never stop. The love of God never stops. The worship team. It says in Revelation twenty two seventeen, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Hallelujah. So this is an invitation. An invitation here for anybody who would want to, like, you've been coming here or whatever, and, 
you haven't been born again yet. I want you to get out of your seat right now. Get out of your seat right now and come forward. Come forward and and we're going to meet right here and pray together. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. I know that some of you this morning that God is tugging on your heart like never before. There's a tugging on your heart and you're saying, I need Jesus. I need to come to faith in Christ. I need to get born again right now. Come forward today and receive him. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you in Malachi 3.10, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Hallelujah. So come. Altar call, secondary, anybody who struggles, anybody who's in worry right now, Anybody who's stressed out, come to the altar. God does great things at this altar. He saves. People come to this altar and get relieved of worry. Come forward this morning and receive what God has for you. Thank you for your time.